Amen. Amen. We've been talking about waiting over the past three weeks, and today is the, the last time that we'll talk about that. This is the last Sunday in Advent, which in which we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. We've been thinking about two themes that run through this season together. We're waiting on a celebration of the birth of Christ, and we'll start that tonight. So this really is the end of our waiting season. But we're also waiting for the return of Jesus, waiting for him to arrive again. And that's what Advent is about. And, and we do consider just how we wait. We've talked about waiting can be difficult and we've talked about the dynamic of waiting that sometimes it loses some urgency that's true as well and so we want to finish this up today as we then prepare to celebrate what we've been waiting on the birth of Christ tonight now I don't know about you but Leanne and I have talked about several times especially in the past week or week and a half that this Advent season this waiting season has been like the busiest one we've ever had, okay? And I don't know about you, but that's just the way it is. I can't see that we're doing a whole lot different than we did any other year, but we've just been really busy. I mean, there's been some days when we've gone as hard as we could all day long and always seem like we're a little bit behind. And frankly, I'm not exactly easy to live with under those circumstances, okay? So all that makes it difficult one of the challenges of a season like this and when we're so busy and and maybe if you're like me all that busyness all that stuff and it's stuff that had to be done right there was none of it you could really leave out takes away some of this time that we might spend anticipating Jesus birth anticipating Jesus return preparing our hearts and minds for both of those things now you know, I don't know why we were busier. Maybe you were, maybe you weren't, but we live in a culture in which we have a whole lot of busyness. We are a busy people, right? It seems like there is always something to do. Now, I read a study a couple years ago that said that we, in, in our culture, Western culture, American culture especially, we have more leisure time than any generation before us. Now, before you say that, Ain't no way, okay? Let me tell you why they say that. Because, well, in years past, people worked a lot more hours than we generally work, okay? It just required more. Plus, there were more things to do at home that took more time because we have appliances that do a lot of that work. So, between working more hours and then more chores at home that took more time, they had less time for leisure, okay? That makes sense. But we still say, then why do we feel so busy all the time? And why did it seem like we're busier than we used to be? Well, it's because we have that leisure time, but what do we do? We fill it with other stuff. Now, some of that stuff is perfectly good, right? I mean, it's things that are helpful and good for our families. Like our kids are involved in all sorts of things. Maybe your kids are involved in athletics and you gotta be at the practices and you wanna be at the games and grandparents are gonna be there and it's really important and it's good for your kids and that's awesome, but it takes a lot of time. For our family, it's more about music and that kind of thing. Still takes a lot of time, okay? Maybe you're involved in some community activity where you're volunteering your time. You're not paid to do it. You don't have to do it, but you know, it makes a big difference in the community it helps some people it's important work but it takes time maybe you have a hobby that you enjoy doing but also you use it to help people in some way and it's a good thing but it takes time and maybe there's even some stuff 
that's not so good. Maybe there's some stuff that if we really looked in our lives and say, man, I, I can't believe I wasted that much time on a device, whether it's a phone, tablet, TV, or anything else. And we go, wow, when you add that up over a week, that's a lot of time. Or maybe you're involved in some kind of behavior that's become, if you're honest, a little addictive. It's not good for you, but it takes a lot of time. So all these things make the time sort of disappear because all of them add up and we feel really, really busy. And here's the thing. One of the things that can easily get pushed to the side, and we know this, are things concerning our faith, right? I mean, and it's because all this other stuff is really urgent. Like, I, I have to work, okay? We gotta pay the bills, so gotta work. And I gotta get the kids where they need to go, school, practice, games, all those things, concerts, whatever it is your kids are involved with. I've got no choice, it has to happen. I've got these other things that have to, gotta buy food at the grocery store, gotta do all this stuff. And all that seems so very urgent, right? It has to be done. And what I know I need to do with my faith, whether it's coming to a Sunday morning worship service or being involved in some kind of Bible study, or maybe it's some time alone where I'm spending time praying to God or reading my Bible or all those things, they don't feel as urgent, do they? Because it feels like, well, I've got to get the kids here, and I've got to go to work, and I've got to have this meeting, but I'll, I'll catch up on some of that other stuff tomorrow, next week, next time, next whatever, because I don't, I don't have to do that, right? What do we do with that? Maybe you've caught yourself, like I said, in this season of Advent. Maybe you had good intentions of using it to remind yourself that we are waiting on something that matters, but the busyness of the season took over and you did some of it or a little of it, but not as much as you really wanted to do because it wasn't as urgent as all the other things that had to be done. Well, what does scripture have to say about that? Today, I want us to think about that. We're gonna to turn to the book of Romans. We've been in the letters of the New Testament. If you haven't noticed in this series, Stand the Wait, and today we're gonna to finish it up in one of those letters, Romans chapter 16. Now. Romans is the longest letter that we have in the New Testament, okay? And if you've ever tried to read through all of Romans, what you may have found is, and there's some hard going in Romans because Romans is densely packed with a lot of theological truth and argument. Paul is trying to convince some people of some complicated things and we aren't really aware of some of the ins and outs of those arguments. We have to read into it. and. And then there's just a whole lot there. And then there's some of the, the most powerful and soaring language that we find in all of the New Testament. Read just Romans 8 sometime over the next couple days and you'll hear that language come through and the power of the gospel at work in Paul's life and anyone who has faith in Jesus Christ. But it's not always easy. And we come down to Romans chapter 16 and Paul gives some greetings in that chapter. And then we come down to the very end of the letter. And we have what we call a doxology, sort of a closing, a word of praise, a word giving God glory. And that's really what we see going on here. But what Paul has done is summarized a lot of what he's talking about. And then in this sort of closing prayer, a word of praise, 
He sums it all up together in just this one big statement that piles lots of stuff on top of each other, and this is how it goes. Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 25, the last three verses of the book. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ, amen. Clear as a bell, right? Not exactly. Even in this final word of praise, it's a little difficult to sift through everything that Paul is trying to say here. But I think there's some important lessons for us at the end of our Advent season of waiting today. If we boil some of this down, I think Paul is saying a few things that are right at the core of the book of Romans, right at the core of the gospel itself. Okay, He's saying, first of all, that God can establish you in your faith. Now, we believe that we make a choice to follow Jesus. We have the the opportunity to either choose to, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ and I'm going to live for him, or I'm not. We are not forced to do this thing, right? We're forced to be here this morning. We all made the decision to show up today, which is great. But with that said, our faith is not just sort of a, a Lone Ranger kind of event. God is at work in us and with us to establish this faith. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying God has been at work in Jesus and God is at work in you, so it's not all up to you. So yes, you may have made the decision to follow Jesus, but God is at work building a strong foundation and establishing that faith in a sure place so that it will last. God helps you with that. It's not all up to you. That's good news to me because I'm not strong enough to do it by myself, but God is. Another thing that I think Paul is doing in this short little doxology is to say, Jesus was not God's backup plan. Yes, God created us in a way that we had the choice to make sin and and we we all sin. But it wasn't like God said, oh, you know what? Now I don't know what to do. So I think I'll just choose this people Israel, give them a law and see how that rolls. They messed that up. Now what do we do? How about I send Jesus? I do not believe that's the way it worked. And I don't think Paul did either. I think what Paul is saying is God had this plan from the moment that we began to sin. And yes, he worked through the people of Israel and promised to Abraham that his descendants would be a blessing to all nations. And guess how they are? In Jesus. God has been at work on this plan from the beginning. So what Paul is saying is all of history, though it was sometimes hidden and is now revealed, has been at work narrowing things down, all headed to Jesus' first arrival, his birth in Bethlehem. And everything since then has also been at work coming together, helping us to look forward, anticipate, wait for his arrival when he returns. Both of those themes running all the way through Scripture, that this whole plan is age old. 
Not plan B or C or D or let's try to figure out how to save humanity, but God's plan to bring us back to who he intended us to be for eternity, spending our time praising him. So both those things are at work. God is establishing us in faith. He, he did it in such a way that, that leads us to this, this great promise that God's been doing this from the beginning. And part of Paul's point is it's for all human beings. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile, everybody else. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. In Galatians, he says slave or free. Whatever sort of distinctions that we make among people and say you're in and you're out, God doesn't see that. And God invites every single human being to him. And then it's up to that person to make this decision. Am I going to follow? He makes some side points because he keeps piling things up. He says, hey, God's been at work at this from the beginning. And he's made that clear through the prophets. The prophets have spoken. Okay? The prophets have predicted this. We look at the Old Testament and see that. We look in the New Testament and see them looking forward to Jesus' return. That's part of what Paul's saying. And he wraps it all together sort of in one big thought that involves worship. So all these things we put together that God establishes us in faith, that, that he calls us to be part of this big plan, that it's for all people. And you know what? When we think of all that, there's only one response we can really give, and that's worship. Because it's such an amazing promise to us on this Christmas Eve morning. So what does that say to us? I think what Paul is saying in this brief little doxology is it all points to Jesus. All of history, all of God's plan, all of our faith, all of the prophets, all of that points to Jesus. So as we think about the Advent season coming to a close, what we're saying is everything that we've talked about over the last few weeks points to tonight. Everything that's going on in our world today points to Jesus' return. It's all about Jesus. Now, how does that speak into our lives? Our lives that are so full of so many things. Again, many of them very, very good. Things that we need to do. How does that, it's all about Jesus, speak into our lives? Well, I think it says that's got to be the thing that matters most. Everything else flows from, everything else is governed by, everything else is about Jesus. Well, how does that work itself out in daily life? I think in three ways, and we could probably add more, but first, organize your life around your commitment to Christ. Organize your life around your commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, what that means is, I think in simple terms, we've got set amount of resources. I've got so much time. I've got so much time in a day, so much time in a week, in a month, we're almost finished with a year. Now, I don't know how many of those days I've got, I don't know how many weeks, months, years I've got, but we all got the same number of hours in a day. It's a set resource. We can't make any more. And so we have to think about if it's all about Jesus, how does that speak into how we understand the use of our time? How does it speak into how we understand the use of our money? 
How does it speak into how we use the abilities that God has given us? And so we need to think, okay, what's the plan? What is the plan for the way that I make my life all about Jesus? If all of human history was working toward Jesus being born and is now working toward his return, then that ought to be so important that it governs the way I use the things that are most important in my life. My time, my money, my talent. Now, you say, well, but my family's really important to me. And it should be. God commands that. That's part of what God says in his word, that we are to love our spouses. We're supposed to take care of our kids. All those things are in there. So following Jesus and making it all about Jesus doesn't somehow exclude that. But when we've got these resources, we've got to figure out, okay, how do I use them to take care of my family in a way that honors God? How do I use my resources to do my work in a way that honors God? How do I use my resources to help the people around me in a way that honors God? It's about developing a plan because if we don't have a plan, just like if you don't have a budget, it's hard to keep control of your money. If you don't have a plan for how you're going to focus all this on what matters most, Jesus, you probably won't do it. Second, allow your commitment to Jesus to speak to everything you do. Now, that's a similar thought, right? Very similar, but I'm speaking to more of the living everyday life. We've got this plan of how I use my resources for Christ, but, but what about today? What about what I'm going to face this afternoon? We don't even know what we're going to face this afternoon. But in those moments, if it's all about Jesus, what's the first thought that comes to my mind? How can I bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ? Or what's best for me? Well, the what's best for me comes to mind pretty quickly for most of us, many times every day. But I think Paul is saying it's all about Jesus. So as we're making decisions, not just in the big picture, but in the day by day, how am I going to say this to my spouse in the right way? Or maybe I need to not say it at all. How am I going to speak to my kids, provide for my kids in a way that honors God? How do I do this right now? All those decisions need to be about reflecting Christ to the people around us. And then finally, maybe the hardest one, Be sensitive to God's correction. We don't like to be corrected. I certainly don't. And yet, we think about what Paul says in this passage about the prophets. So the prophets were pointing to Jesus. You know, the thing about the prophets is this. We think about them just, well, they're just there to tell the future. But if you look through the Old Testament prophets, what you find is there is some, you know, there's some, information there's some content that's all about the future but there's also a whole lot of content about you need to change your ways because you're not living in a way that pleases God and sometimes there are people in our lives that show us we're not living in a way that says it's all about Jesus sometimes we read scripture now and we're reminded you know what i am not living in a way that says this is all about jesus it's all about me and i need to make a change sometimes god just speaks to our hearts maybe not audibly but we just recognize you know what this this is not right this is not how i should do this this is this is not how god's called me to live And so we accept that correction and make a change. You know, this Advent season, we're just 
just have hours left. And, and maybe you didn't get to do as much preparation as you wanted to. Well, here's what I know. We can't change the past. We can change the future. And even though there may only be a little bit of time left in this Advent season, maybe there are a few moments that you could carve out to say, am I making this about Jesus? In fact, we're going to sing a song in just a minute, then we're going to have communion in just a few moments. I don't know any better time than to reflect on our lives and to say, have I made this about Jesus? And if I was going to, what would that look like? What would making this about Jesus actually look like? Communion's the perfect time to do that. So in these last few minutes and hours of Advent, think about how you can make it about Jesus. And then we're going to celebrate tonight. Let's pray together. And we're so blessed to have Jesus in our lives, to know that he came and lived among us. And he fulfilled the words that we find in the Old Testament. And he fulfilled the plan that you put in place when we sinned. So God, we're thankful for that, but we're also thankful that Jesus will return. And we want to be ready for that. So God, even as we sing this song, even as we have communion this morning, help us to reflect on our lives and what our schedules and our checkbooks and our hearts have shown is really important and what needs to change to reflect that it really is all about Jesus. Pray it in his name.